The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world who knows that Mike Trout has been to more Super Bowls than postseasons. Congrats to Michael Nelson on the birds, the Philadelphia Eagles going to the Super Bowl, but I don't really care too much about football. I just care about Mike Trout. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Hey. E-A-G-L-E-S, baby. E-A-G-L-E-S. I'm I'm legit happy uh, for Mike Trout. And, you know, often when we associate, you know, postseason baseball with kind of people bundled up, I now associate Mike Trout postseason with Mike Trout bundled up at Eagles games. And we, I understand uh, that the, the Super Bowl is taking place in Arizona. Will we see Mike Trout there or is that too close to spring training? I mean, he's going to be going there for spring training anyway. So yeah, I have to imagine we'll see him there, right? He'll be there. He can afford a ticket. Absolutely yeah, well, no doubt. <laughs> I'm not concerned about that part. Uh, yes, we will not be talking about the football. That is the degree to our football chat because we have a lot of baseball to get to, Jake. In fact, on this episode, we're going to look backwards and look forwards because while February is just around the corner, the baseball offseason, uh, as far as transactions go, is basically 95% behind us. And so we're going to do a little off-season review and put some teams into groups about how they're feeling after their off-season activity. Um, and then later on, we're going to talk about some more incredible uh, owner quotes. Just, I mean, if you thought last week's were goofy, we are in a whole other tier <laughs> this week as we head to Colorado. And then we got some other moves, extensions to hit on. And then uh, we're going to talk about the spelling mistake on the Cy Young Award. But Jake, let's begin with off-season reviews. Uh, before we go team by team, I think we should kind of set the stage here about how we're going to review this off-season uh, as a whole. Because while, yes, there's part of me that feels like, wow, anything would be better than the three months of sadness we dealt with a year ago, uh, I feel like this was a pretty sweet off-season. And I think there are a few reasons why. But do you, do you concur in that assessment? I do. Uh, it is January 30th right now. And as far as I'm concerned, no months have 31s. I've just, I disagree with the 31st day of all months so that I don't get confused about what it is. So even though tomorrow may technically be the 31st, in my mind, it is February 0th. And what that means <laughs> is that we must turn the page. The off season is over and the new season begins on February 0th. Mm. And I would like to look back, like you said, on this off season that has been because I believe genuinely to my core in my heart that it has been the most entertaining offseason of our baseball lives. And when I say baseball lives, I mean like cognizance of giving a shit about the offseason. Now, last year, maybe it is a little warped, as you mentioned. Last year was so empty and boring that I spent my time realizing I needed to take antidepressants and, you know, learning how to knit and or reorganizing my sock drawer. Yep. But this was a whirlwind of an offseason, and there are a couple of reasons why. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing, of course, to remember about last offseason is that because of the artificial deadline we had of the lockout, those few days before were were pretty spicy, right? Now, at the same time, it obviously didn't cancel out the three months of sadness. But the thing is, when you fast forward to this year, we did get a crazy rush of signings, certainly around the winter meetings, as we know, as we were recording multiple podcasts a day. And so that is is the first the first thing that I think stands out about this offseason is one, sure, we came in with it. It was a loaded free agent class, right? I mean, a lot of famous, a lot of very famous, important, amazing players, certainly, um, both pitchers and hitters, right? Some of the best hitters in the game, some of the best pitchers in the game were available. So that made it exciting just going into it. But the pacing of the signings, not just that it's all done by spring training, which I, I generally think is a good thing, it's that it was just so wonderfully spaced out. We did get a rush a couple days, gave us a two or three, but it was like every 48 hours, it was another one that was hitting in December. And it was just like the perfect amount of time to freak out about something and then kind of analyze it for a day or two. And then another one hits you and then freak out about something. Like it was never too much. Like sometimes at the trade deadline, when there's like 20 trades that happen at once, there's some that just get completely lost. And then you three days later, when that new guy's on a, on a new team, you're like, holy shit, wait a minute. Well, we didn't even talk about this <laughs> because that trade happened. But this offseason just gave us the perfect amount of time for each giant move. And in some cases, we got uh, one player signing three different times. So we got to react to it in three different ways. I mean, <laughs> it really gave us every version um, of a transaction that was very exciting. And none of the big ones felt drawn out. You know the meme of the guy with the stick that says, come on, do something? Right. It never really got to that point with any players. And I think a big part of that was Judge set his own timeline, right? He was like, I want this to be done by this date. So I don't have yeah. to worry about it anymore. And, well, that he, and he didn't have to do that, which was cool. Like that's Thanks, Aaron. The, honestly, like I and and I guess maybe he did he did dip to to Hawaii for a couple of weeks between making it official. But it's true, like the, there was no reason to like none of these guys are beholden to to our fan timelines, right? They could have waited out, and certain free agents maybe could have waited longer to get more money, right? But but this is the other big part about this offseason. I mean, the money was was flowing. The years in particular <laughs> were being given out like Halloween candy, just generously. Oh, take another, take another. Oh, eleventh year, twelfth year. Let's sure keep it, keep it going. And well, I'll so be that, dead anyway. <laughs> so that was that was another part of this, which certainly I'm sure helped to get the deals done faster. Um, but that was another part of it. I mean, that's why we didn't have to wait because the players weren't didn't have to wait around because they were like, oh shit, all right, sure, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good deal. Let's do it. And then I think the last thing that set this offseason apart is that we had two stories, the arson judge to the Giants and the Carlos Correa ankle saga, mm -hmm. neither of which we had ever seen before or even really considered as possible. Right. They were, neither these, of them were in the offseason preview. <laughs> correct. No one was yeah. like, wow, I wonder what Carlos Correa's ankle is going to be like this winter. No. We had twists and turns and late night phone calls and specific details. I think for me, Jordan, and I've learned this about myself as I've written more, is I really enjoy the scenes of mm. baseball, right? Of people actually doing stuff in person, whether that's conversations or like events that exist and not just like theoretical 
back and forths on the phone. Mm -hmm. And we got a lot of those nuggets this winter. We got like the Steve Cohen olives in the martini, right? We got Boris tackling Correa on the bed. Correa tackling Boris. Correa Correa tackling tackling Boris. Boris. Thank you. (laughs) We got the, uh, you know, the Hal Steinbrenner late night call from Italy, early morning phone call to judge from Italy. We had these things that felt real, that gave these moments color. And I, I, in the winter, when I look outside and it's gray and drab and like no shade to our buddy, uh, Carlos Rodon, but like, he's a great example of like a boring, straightforward free agent signing. (laughs) The Yankees gave him the most money and he went there and now he's in the Yankees and he's happy and I'm happy for him. Great. Whatever. But there was no spice. There were no turns. There were no twists. There was no color to it. Whereas, but like the Dansby one, even like when he showed up at the press conference and told the story about his grandfather, that was really touching. Trey Turner going to the press conference and saying that, you know, he, he had watched the Phillies postseason. Yeah. That was really cool. The Xander yeah. Bogarts to the Red Sox stuff was very oh, I, weird. I was going right? to say, that's another moment. Uh, Hein Bloom at the airport after the winter meetings, like being like, holy shit, like we just lost Devers. Or we just lost, we just lost Devers. We just lost Bogarts, right? Like that was, that was another like human moment that was very real and reported. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. We, there was so much great reporting and, and it felt like, it felt like it, the offseason really came to life in a way that it didn't just feel like it was all secret. And the winter meetings were a huge part of that. I mean, the winter meetings were absolutely nuts. Um, I think the actual reporting was also fabulous. Of course, we had all the Bayerga stuff was crazy. We also had, I would say, another another element was the fact that we had two high-profile Japanese. I guess we had three, if you, you know, Count Fujinami. But, like, the Yoshida signing was, like, a totally crazy, out of nowhere, oh, my God, that's so much money. And then, of course, Sanga is a huge deal. It's always always fun to get players, you know, coming over from NPB. Um, so I thought that was a, a huge deal. And then you just have all these other little subplots, right? The whole Astros GM stuff. We'll get to some of that later because they did finally hire one. I thought that was a fascinating part earlier on in the offseason. And then just a couple team matches where, you know, some team spice of like, oh, like the Mets, all, all the entire New York media just bashing DeGrom on the way out <laughs> was, was a pretty entertaining storyline as he, of course, ends up uh, uh, with the Rangers. But yeah, there's a lot of fun fits and and just kind of surprising landing spots along the way. It was it was a, it was a great time. I would say the one, you know, we got a big extension with Devers. I mean, I will still say that from a trade standpoint, it felt a little light. But, you know, we did get the Murphy trade. We got a late interesting one with the Arise-Lopez deal. Um, so even though we didn't get Reynolds, I do feel like it was still. And we had some earlier ones, you know, with Teoscar and stuff. But I the trade stuff was maybe below average. But other than that, I'm I no complaints about this offseason. It was, it was delightful. I wish that there was still, like, one more big guy on Just the market. One. Just like Chris, not even that big, like Chris Bassett, you know, like mm-hmm. Chris Bassett was out there. Everyone's like, why is Chris Bassett out there? And then like he shows up to one team spring training like Dexter Fowler. And then he's at the <laughs> other team spring training. Oh, crazy. Right. That's the only critique. But other than that, great offseason, 10 out of 10, very few notes. But as we flip the calendar, Jordan. Yes. Let's take a look at how specific teams did during this offseason. Now, you'll go and listen to maybe other podcasts or read some things about the winners and the losers and grading off seasons. And and when we talked about reviewing this off season, what we decided is that it's very difficult to grade a team's off season because the grading of the off season will be borne out in time by how the players they acquired do and how the players they let go or decided not to retain do. And that will all, you will see the truth. 
the truth will reveal itself. Okay. <laughs> and it's all relative in terms of money and whatever. And so how we, how are we, you know, the most unique baseball podcasters in America, how are we going to take a look at this in a, in a really different way? And we decided to vibe check it. There are 30 baseball teams. There are. They all enter spring training with a mood, with a vibe. Their fan bases are feeling some sort of way about that team. And is that important? Yeah. Is it as important as how the team will eventually do in the field? Uh, maybe not, but fuck it. Jordan, let's go through the teams. Let's tear them out and talk about how all the baseball clubs are feeling as we are just two weeks away. Yes. From spring training kicking off. Yes. And we are not, these are not uh, rankings within each tier. We just kind of lumped each, each group of teams together. And yes, sure. Maybe jerks and profar will sway one of these teams from one group into the other, but probably not. And that's why we are doing this exercise today on January 30th. Uh, Jake, we have one, two, three, four, five, six groups of teams. I don't remember how many, what, what our tiers were exactly for our offseason preview. Um, at that point, we were kind of lumping them into how we expected them to act in the offseason. So now, again, we are doing this based on how we believe the fans are feeling going into the offseason, going into the season. Now, let, let me also say, we are only fans of one team specifically. We do not know for sure how all these fans are. So please let us know if we're totally off base about any of these. Email us, baseballbarbecast.gmail.com. You can tweet us. Like, this is our sense for we do know basically fans for almost every team, if not every team. So we do talk to a lot of people. This is our sense for how fans are feeling going to spring training in a couple of weeks. Cloud nine. There are three teams that we believe are on cloud nine. I guess we should call it cloud three. These are the teams rolling into the spring are just feeling good. And these are the New York Mets, the San Diego Padres and the Philadelphia Phillies. I think the Mets is self-explanatory, Jordan, even though they did not get Carlos Correa when all was said and done. I think this fan base is jazzed up, ready to go, ready to watch a legitimate contender they brought in Verlander, Quintana, Senga, Narvaez, Tommy Pham. They retained Brandon Nimmo. They retained Edwin Diaz. They retained Adam Adovino. And yes, DeGrom is out the door, but apparently he was a schmuck. And so why <laughs> cry over spilled milk? And they just extended McNeil, who we, we can talk about that a little more later. But yeah, I mean, I think it was as much about maybe they didn't get every single player but the degree to which they were committed to just going for it and setting, making the highest payroll in baseball history, which is exactly what everybody wanted Steve Cohen to do and expected him to do, it was exactly what you could have wanted. And so, yeah, I think they got to be feeling good. And I think when Mets fans were in the depths of despair during the Wilpon era, dreaming about the possibility of a better future, of a brighter day, this is the... Beyond the wildest dreams, they are going to run a $361 million payroll. And so if you are a Mets fan right now and you are frustrated for any reason, just think back like six years, okay? And you got to be on cloud Less nine. Less than that. Less than um, that. The San Diego uh, Padres, Jordan, yes. they are – I'm so – I loved their offseason, to be honest with you. The, the guys that they brought in, Xander Bogarts, Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, Adam Angle, Seth Lugo – Four of those Brent are like, what do you say? <laughs> Brent Honeywell. <laughs> Brent Honeywell. The four of those guys beyond Bogarts are not necessarily needle movers, but together they do offer some depth. Bogarts is the big one. The continued financial commitment from this ownership group for a team that 
was mired in irrelevance and mediocrity for so long is evidence that owners can spend the money if they choose to. Uh, is it going to work out in the end? Who fucking cares? Because this team is going to be super fun to watch and on paper looks a, maybe even better than the Los Angeles Dodgers heading yeah. into 2023. And we follow a lot of Padres fans on Twitter. We were in San Diego for the winter meetings and boy, oh boy, the vibe is good. Yeah, and we're starting to get some little positive Tatis buzz where he's feeling healthy and he's putting out some like very mature quotes and we're hearing about how he's spending his offseason after, you know, obviously still suspended, but he's, you know, got his all the surgeries he's needed to get done and he's generally been, you know, paying attention and he's I, hanging out. He's working out with Joe Musgrove, who is the working, most vocal yeah, like the, about him get, fucking up. Exactly. So we're, we're getting a that, that, and that, you know, that's coming last week. So that gives the vibe, you know, going good into spring training. Um, that does remind me, I have no idea what the rules are about spring training for suspended players. I don't remember what the rules are for that. So I'm curious how much we're going to really see him in the spring. Um, but yeah, I mean, he'll be back at the end of April. So that'll be fucking awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, so Padres are, that's, that's a no brainer. And then we are also putting the Phillies in this group. I think the Phillies certainly came into this offseason on the biggest high. Of course, they didn't win, but still they were. I mean, we, we know all about We don't have to rehash how fun that postseason ride was. And then basically from the the day the offseason started, they kind of telegraphed, we're, we'd love to get Trey Turner, and they sealed the deal. And the one, I mean, I wouldn't say, was it their biggest question mark? I mean, yeah, I would say it was, it was a, it was a pretty obvious hole that they were able to fill with the superstar. Um, Trey, Trey, it was, it was a perfect fit in a lot of ways. And, uh, and now we're just all the more excited to, to make it happen. Now, now we have to point out the, the talk about vibe check. You, you declared the, the trade they made with the Tigers, a, a vibe, a vibe killing move, um, to, you know, to trade away guys like Maton and Veerling. Uh, at the same time, I mean, Turner is one of the best players in baseball, and he makes that lineup all the more terrifying. No offense to Matt Veerling, uh, Nick Maton, and their good personality, but bringing in Trey Turner uh, kind of... That's, that's over... going to do a little outweighing yeah. your, <laughs> your, your good vibes. Now, the one uh, fly in the ointment here, the one uh, gnat in the soup, would be that Bryce Harper... Uh, had to get surgery and will be out for a couple True. months. And so they don't really have a DH. I have decided they should sign Luke Voigt if they're going to roll with lefty bopper Derek Hall at DH. Just go get a righty, put him on the bench. I know they just signed Josh Harrison, but Philly's vibes heading into 2023 are very, very, very good. Now let's move down one tier to the simply who's feeling good. What, what fan bases are feeling good? Not necessarily cloud nine, maybe like cloud four or, you know, cloud one, but these are teams that are, you know, they think about you're, you're a fan. You think about your team. You're like, oh, I feel good. Like, hey, we did good. We did some good stuff. We yeah. did some good stuff here. Let's um, run through these a little bit quicker, Jordan. Let's yep. start with the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Now, how good will will will, uh, will this team be in 2023? Who's to say? But they did sign Jacob Degrom, and they it's tough yeah. to feel bad when you have Jacob Degrom. They're not just him. They they basically bought an entirely new rotation. Obviously, also adding Ivaldi. Obviously, also adding Heaney. They did they did retain. Uh, Martin Perez. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like this is, there's no way you can, I mean, sure, you could say, well, we should have got more offense and, you know, there's, we're still way behind the Astros and Mariners and whatever. And that's true. But I have to imagine that there is still some level of ex a more excitement when you see that they have an entirely new rotation compared to last year. 
Um, so again, not going to overstate it, not saying guarantee they're going to be a postseason team, but I have to put them in the good category. They spent a bunch of money. The Minnesota Twins, this one is simple. They kept Carlos Correa. They did. After <laughs> not thinking they would get to keep Carlos Correa like five times. Yeah. Right? And yep. that is, it's that simple. Yep. It really is that simple, I think, for Twins fans. Now, obviously, they wanted, they wish they could do a little bit more. I think the Martin, Martin Perez, sorry, the Pablo Lopez trade mm-hmm. um, la, about a week ago, that really helps solidify the rotation. And I think this is a team that could definitely win the division yep. in 2023. But, you yep. know, keeping Correa in Minnesota is such a big win. Not complicated. Next team is Toronto. I think Toronto was certainly in, involved, engaged in a lot of different free agent conversations. Uh, we They did finally make uh, the big trade, the big catcher trade we've been waiting for. They opted to to deal their, their prospect in Moreno for an excellent young outfielder in Dalton Varsho. So that was certainly one of the more exciting trades. And then they fortified the rotation uh, with with Chris Bassett, which I which I love. They they kind of reshaped the outfield defensively. I know trading away Teoscar, I don't I don't love that move, um, but at the same time they were so right handed. It's not like they lacked in, in right handed pop. They wanted to improve the outfield defense. They do that with Varsho with Kiermaier. and and yeah, I I think they and and they also renovated their entire stadium and moved the fences in, uh, in and up. We should point out, but um, I think they're I think they got to be feeling good. I think they got better this offseason. The New York Yankees, their offseason, in my opinion, is a Rorschach test to what kind of Yankees fan you are. Mm-hmm. Because the Yankees retained Aaron Judge. They did the thing they had to do. And I we, we've talked a lot about it, right? Them keeping Judge is worthy of celebration, but it also could not be the only thing they did this offseason. And guess what? It was not. They signed Carlos Rodon, one of the best pitchers on the market. Essentially, tie on out, Rodon in. That makes their rotation better. Ben Attendee out, yes, that's not the biggest loss. You know, he didn't actually play that much for them when you really boil it down after the trade from Kansas City. And, you know, the two biggest problem spots on this roster, shortstop and uh, at this point left field, Aaron Hicks and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, those were not solved, right, or have not been solved yet. That being said, there's the promising gaggle of shortstops. Uh, with Volpe and Peraza, and it looks like Oswaldo Cabrera is going to get a lot of time out in left field. And I think as a Yankees fan, you got to feel good with the fact that Aaron Judge is going to be in pinstripes until we all die, and Carlos Rodon is going to be a co-ace alongside Garrett Cole. This is a team that feels good heading into 2023. Rizzo also back, I think, is a huge deal. And they ended up spending because of that and, and of course, how much they paid Rodon and obviously Judge. I mean, they spent the most money of any team. Um, this offseason, right. that's what the Yankees are supposed to do. And one of the biggest critiques is like, oh, Hal Steinbrenner is not his father. He's not spending any money. Please spend money. He answered that criticism as much as he could this offseason, in my opinion. <laughs> now, if you're a Yankees fan who wants to nitpick and find things to, you know, throw your hands up about, you can find them. They oh, are yeah. there. Yeah, right? you could still say, oh, why aren't you going past the top luxury tax thing? They're right below that again, right? Why aren't you going and addressing left field in a more significant way, even if it is a pro-far type, right? Um, but they still got a lot better and uh, whatever, kept judge. So we can't put them quite in cloud nine, but they are definitely feeling good. The Houston Astros, congratulations, you have a general manager, which we will talk a little bit more about later. The vibe was weird at the beginning of the offseason once uh, they're as old GM. weird as it could be for a World Series champ. Oh, my yeah, goodness. With James Click going out the door. But when you boil it down, here are the moves that they made. Yes, they let Justin Verlander go. But this club has just so much pitching mm-hmm. and bringing back Michael Brantley, mm-hmm. which is like a sneaky big deal, bringing in Jose Abreu, 
makes their lineup even more formidable than it was last <laughs> their year. Their lineup they- is insane. Their lineup is like, I mean, it, it is the thing. Sure, okay, Verlander, that's that's a big deal. He won Cy Young and like those regular, that's 30 regular season starts that are going to go to good pitchers, but not the one of the best pitchers, right? Okay, that's fine. That's, that's a second. Guys, point. Jeremy Pena or Michael Brantley is going to be batting seventh. <laughs> the, like, think about how good the Astros lineup was, right? And I know that was with God-level Pena, but that was without Brantley and without Abreu. And it's just like, oh. Uh, okay, anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, this is why you're feeling good because this lineup is completely ridiculous and a Braves a perfect fit there. And um, yeah, they're going to be amazing. They, they, you know, they sure they maybe overpay to bring back Montero or whatever, but like Brantley's still good. I believe that if he can be healthy. And we we saw how good the young pitching was in the postseason. So we're not worried about losing Verlander. Uh, and yeah, there should still basically be the best team in the league. <laughs> now from a team that won the World Series to a team that did not win the World Series, our last... Mm. Participant here, our last inclusion in the who's feeling good category is maybe a little bit weird and spicy, but the Pittsburgh Pirates, they had an offseason to cherish and remember. Now, yes, the Andrew McCutcheon signing might have been some simple fan service, even though he might have a little bit left in the tank. And McCutcheon himself said at the press conference, he, I mean, win. he is, yeah, let, let's be clear. It's not like they gave him 20 million. Like, hey, come back, make the fans happy. He clearly wanted this to happen. Yeah. Um, so it's still fan service, though. Like, it is still no, for McCutcheon sure. Back is 100%. Still 100%. And, and, and maybe we're overrating that by itself. At the same time, it was by far the most fan-friendly move in that sense, like sentimental move of the whole offseason, easily. Yeah. Um, and that was fucking incredible. And but it wasn't it. just... It wasn't would, just that, right? They brought in G-Man Choi yeah. through trade. They signed Austin Hedges. Yep. They signed Carlos Santana. Rich Hill. They signed Rich Hill. They signed yep. Vince Velasquez and made a yep. hilarious video for him. They <laughs> traded for Connor Joe. These are not moves that are going to win the Pirates the 2023 World Series. But this is now a team, especially in a meh division, mm-hmm. that could take a half step up in 2023. And you know, maybe a little bit of sunlight shining yeah, down on PNC. We're Park. looking, we're looking for a a not probably not as good as the Orioles, but in 2022. But let's it can happen faster than you think, I guess is the point. That said, I mean, I know there are Pirates fans that are still feeling terrible about the direction of the team and the ownership, and I get that that's fine, but we're still putting them in this category. Let's zoom through our next category here, Jordan. This one is very simple. It's called You Got One Guy, right? There are many mm-hmm. teams whose off seasons are just they did one thing and they got one player. Yeah, or, they- or yeah, I mean, a couple of these teams did more than that, but it's the headliner is very obvious here. Um, so let's begin with Tampa. Uh, Tampa, biggest free agent contract of all time, Zach Eflin. No, uh, but Zach actually, Eflin- I, 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 you said that with a jokey voice, and I really want to <laughs> make sure people know. The Rays yep. spent the most money yep. they've ever spent on a free agent. Yep. Zach Eflin. Zach Eflin. Now, I will say with that, extend Springs, sounds like they're going to extend Yanni Diaz. Great. Um, that does mean that with Glass now back, with the healthy McClanahan, with what Rasp- the Rays might have a regular ass rotation, which what a world. And that is cool, right? Um, at the same time, I thought they could have made more spicy trades and made more interesting. And, and Zach Eflin. Okay, Zach Eflin. Great. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians got Josh Bell. I like this move. I like this move a lot. They also got Mike Zanino. And obviously, to me, it feels hard to just say that Josh Bell's the one guy when I believe Mike Zanino is good. But as far as you know, high-profile free agents go, Mike Zanino did not qualify. And Josh Bell was on a lot of you know top 30, top 20, top 50 lists. 
And he's on Cleveland now, and he can hit the ball out of over the fence, which we love. He can hit the ball very hard. And most importantly for a Cleveland Guardian, Jake, he is a switch hitter. Woo! Let's move <laughs> on to your Seattle Mariners, who mm-hmm. it wasn't just one move. It no. was basically Teoscar Hernandez and Colton Wong are like the two big acquisitions over this offseason. And there was certainly some criticism from the fan base throughout this mm-hmm. offseason, right? Letting mm-hmm. Mitch Hanniger go, mm-hmm. Carlos Santana gone, Adam Frazier gone. I'm sure people are actually kind of happy about that one. But <laughs> the Mariners did the big moves they needed to do during the season with mm-hmm. extending Julio and extending Luis Castillo. Yep. And so they entered this offseason with a pretty hefty payroll, all things considered. At 142, they probably have a little bit more room to spend, and I'm sure fans wanted them to spend a little bit more. But getting Teoscar in the middle of that lineup and getting Colton Wong to uh, you know solidify second base, fine. Totally fine offseason for the Mariners. Yeah, my my general take on this is um, they the Teoscar move, because it happened so early, um, I just think it's being – like he's been one of the best hitters in the league for like the last four seasons, and I think he's a huge addition. And I think that him and Wong are much big – to just be like, oh, it's just him replacing Hanniger and Wong replacing Frazier. I'm like, no, no, those are both upgrades. Like I love Mitch, but in terms of what we could count on we are getting in 2023, Teoscar and Wong is a clear step up over Mitch and Frazier. So I thought – but Teoscar is the big name. He is the big one for sure. The Milwaukee Brewers – they poked their head into the Sean Murphy trade and said, can we hang out too? And everyone said, sure. And so now they have Wilson, uh, Wilson, William Contreras in the middle of their order. They did also get Jesse Winker uh, from the Mariners and sign Wade Miley, who could either, you know, finish top five in the Cy Young or not pop into our heads all season long. They brought in Brian Anderson on like a below uh, value deal, which is totally fine. But for me, it's they got Contreras for five years of control and like didn't really give anything up. Yeah, I mean, to give up uh, Esther Ruiz for a catcher who could hit fourth for you for the next five years is like one of the more stunning moves of the offseason. So, <laughs> um, but they were again, not involved. Like this team was not like in the mix for stuff. Like they did the one trade and then you didn't think about them the rest of the offseason. Another team. That uh, falls into that category is the Arizona Diamondbacks, who mm-hmm. we knew had outfielders to trade, and mm-hmm. they were going to make that trade at some point. And they paired up with the Toronto Blue Jays, who we knew had catchers to trade. Yep. And they sent Dalton Varsho away to the Blue Jays in exchange mm-hmm. for Gabriel Moreno. Now, this is a bit of a weird version of you, you got one guy, because the one guy they got is just one of the top prospects in baseball who hasn't played a whole lot at the big league level. But Moreno is sure to be quite involved for the Diamondbacks in 2023. Yeah, I mean, we'll see him a lot this year, and it's a foundational piece, right? And for this extremely young, exciting D-backs core, you know, I was surprised. I still surprised they traded Varsho because I just thought he was awesome and he was, you know, one of their best players last year. But if you – Moreno, to have a catcher there, it's hard to find foundational catchers, as they learned, obviously, the hard way with Carson Kelly recently. And we have to hope that Moreno can can be a little bit more successful than, than Kelly's been. But, you know, they had – and I, I liked having Gurriel in that move, too, to kind of raise the floor of this season, uh, taking some flyers on guys like Kyle Lewis. So that was interesting. Just disappointed they didn't have more pitching. But in general, Moreno could be a foundational piece, and that is their one guy. They did bring in Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Evan Longoria, who will both yeah, be in the lineup Gurriel. to start mm-hmm. for them. Um in addition, like this is a great thing for me. Zach Davies is in their rotation. They could have gotten Zach Davies last week or four years ago. And I'd be like, yeah, no, 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 no. That's exactly when they got 
Zach Davies. And then the last team in the you got one guy group is the Atlanta Braves, who uh, <laughs> got Sean Murphy and extended him. This team is such a freaking juggernaut, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And it was again, it was they were the, seemed like the last team you would expect to go after Sean Murphy, um, considering their catching depth with Contreras, with Darno. Um, and instead, uh, they were like, yeah, sure, let's just, just take another catcher. We think he can be our catcher and we can extend him without anybody knowing. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, but yeah, other than that, they didn't they didn't do anything else. And uh, that is left. I mean, that has left their shortstop a big question mark. That has left their left field a big question mark. <laughs> kind of like the Yankees in a weird way. Um, but they still this is still an incredible roster. Oh, we should also mention, I mean, they did trade for Joe Jimenez earlier. That's it. That should help the bullpen as well. But. And Lucas yeah. Lutke. I mean, those are just, you know, and they got, remember, they traded for Rysel Iglesias during last during season. The season. So that's, yeah. that solidified their bullpen beforehand. All right, Jordan, let's take a quick break, if you don't mind. And we will come back after the break with the rest of our teams, the rest of our offseason vibe check to tell you which teams, which fan bases are most confused, which teams could have just simmed through the entire winter and which teams enter spring training with bad or frustrated vibes. We will be right back. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shape sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz, and that is Jordan Schusterman, who is getting married in August. Jordan, let's continue down the road reviewing this offseason. We've gone through a variety of tiers. We've done three, and we have three more to go. So let's jump in to the fan bases, the teams that have the most confusing, perplexing, eyebrow-raising offseasons, and begin with the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, uh, Boston was by far the team that had the most things happen to them or uh, generally surrounding them where we were all just like, what is going on? And let me say this, credit to High and Bloom, because High and Bloom has not ducked the media or the fans at any turn during this offseason. He went to FanFest, he got booed like crazy and, and talked through how he felt. He's gone on every podcast and radio spot and said, this is what we're doing. This is what we believe in. We think we could do this. You th- might think I'm crazy, but I'm not, I'm not hiding from it. And we're just going to have to see. This is why we're in this tier especially, it's very hard to, to rate it, to give it a grade. But what we can say is that they took us on a lot of different turns, right? When they lose Bogarts, we're all calling them a fraudulent, you know, shameful, embarrassing joke of an organization. And then they lock up Devers for, you know, a billion years, which is fucking awesome and exactly what they should have done. And then they're, you know, giving Yoshida $50 million more than anyone expected him to get. But then they're signing Jansen and they're, you know, bringing in some other players where it's like, okay, okay. But then Trevor Story is just like, I'm just kidding. I have to have elbow surgery so I can't play for a good chunk of next year. There was just so many moments in this Red Sox offseason. There was no break, right? There was never a shortage of things to talk about. Uh, with the Red Sox, and I think it's probably left everyone feeling a little bit confused. I do think they got – did they get better this offseason? I don't know if I would go that far, but I wouldn't say that they got that much worse. I did like some of the other moves that they made, but 
just I just have no idea with this team, man. They got different. They you know? sir got different. That's for sure. They got different. And I was entertained. Oh, uh, yeah. I was certainly entertained. And thank you to the Red Sox for giving us something to talk about. But it is, you know, the Larry David uh, curb meme where he's like going both sides. He's like thinking like I'm looking, or the I'm Alonzo Morning, the Alonzo Morning on the bench meme where it's like, <laughs> oh, man, we lost Bogarts. But we did extend Devers. But, you know, like it's it's like Justin Turner. Like he could have 50 doubles this year. Oh, cool. Kluber, uh, Duval, Dumondesi. Like I just. Alfaro, like man, there was so many things here where I was just like, okay, sure. I don't know if I'm supposed to be if I'm a Red Sox fan, right? I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be mad or if I'm supposed to be happy. I Um, think without the Devers extension, it would still be very negative. But I think that did a lot. Let's move on to another team, the St. Louis Cardinals, a club that we definitely could have put in the you got one guy category. Yeah. Because they did sign Wilson Contreras from their rival Chicago Cubs to be the catcher, not named Yadier Molina, which is very weird to look at. But beyond that, they did, I think, nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. nothing. I don't think they added. They didn't make any trades. They didn't make. And and again, like, I think Contreras, especially, I thought that was a totally reasonable contract. I would say the second biggest Cardinals news this offseason is that Lars Newtbar is playing for Japan. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> the WBC. Like, other than that, I there was really, and that like Jack Flaherty's healthy, like that. Those are the, the biggest news um, of, of, the, of the winter, which is bizarre because on the one hand, it's like, well, they just steamrolled to a d- division title again. And like, I'm looking at the team and I don't see why they couldn't do it again. And that's probably why they're chilling. But yeah, I just, it, it's for basically every other division winner was like, doing shit and like really trying to kind of push besides the Dodgers. We'll get to them in a second here, you know, or at least making more moves in this. So maybe they belong in just one guy, but it just feels strange to have a team this good and still have payroll moves and have seemingly pieces to trade for more stuff. And they just didn't really do anything. They do not have a motherfucker in the rotation. And I think that their starting five is very ripe for a bit of an implosion. And they in, really could have used like Rodon, Degrom. Ver- I mean, anyone could have, but even like Bassett or, or trade. Yeah, Bassett made sense, or traded for Lopez, right? And like the other thing with that is, which you you, you got to remember. First of all, Flaherty's a total wild card. I mean, he uh, who knows? Maybe he just suddenly reverts back. You know, he's going to be a free agent, and that's the thing. Him, Michaelis, Wainwright, uh, and Jordan Montgomery are all free agents after this year. Um, and so while they have some interesting young pitching, like they, there's a lot of questions with the St. Louis pitching moving forward. So we has a great offensive young core. They got more prospects coming. Obviously Goldie and Arenado are as good, good as it gets, but I'm, I'm very, I'm very perplexed here that there wasn't more to be done. Maybe add another starter or some more pitching depth. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So here's how I want to tackle this. Okay. The Dodgers we're waiting for the Trevor Bauer situation to be resolved to know how much money they could spend. Yes. They also wanted to get under the next luxury tax threshold, right? Yes. We believe we think that's true. And they also want to give some playing time to some young guys who have been blocked by some players over the last couple of years. I think those three factors were all at play to different varying extents, (laughs) right? Right, And I think that like the Dodgers publicly are like, we were waiting for the Bauer situation, right? And like, 
we want to give these guys playing time and are probably underplaying the financial thing. But at the same time, I do think well, that the Bauer all, thing is a financial thing. Right. Or the Bauer <laughs> thing is a financial yeah. thing. Like, but I do think that like all three of those were at play to varying extents. And we'll never know to what level each of them played a role in their offseason. But when the dust settles, it's a pretty different looking squad. Turner gone. Tyler Anderson, who was amazing for them, gone. Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger had been there forever, both gone. Andrew Heaney in the rotation, gone. Joey Gallo, who they had traded for, gone. Kershaw obviously did his, maybe I'll play for the Rangers. Nah, I'm back thing that he always does every offseason. And what we're left with is Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Max Muncy. They bring in J.D. Martinez. They're going to give Gavin Lux so a real go at second and short alongside Miguel Rojas, who they traded for. They signed Jason Hayward to be in their outfield. And they enter a season with the least formidable team they have had in quite some time. Now, again, they could complete, they could outperform and win 110 games again. And I'd be like, oh, it's just the Dodgers. Like all these young guys that they're going to give playing time to Miguel Vargas, James Altman, you know, whomever they turned out to be, you know, fucking Los Angeles Dodgers. And they were great. <laughs> Duh. Right. But <laughs> you cannot bank this team to the same extent <clears throat> that we could in previous. Wow. My voice. I'm just getting so choked up. <laughs> It's like the Dodgers Dodgers aren't projected to win 120 games. I can't believe it. (laughs) But that is notable. I I, I do think that it's just a bizarre offseason for a team that has operated like a behemoth over the last five years. Yeah. Syndergaard, also worth mentioning, is going to be a big part of that team. Um, Totally with you. And I think you could hot take it and put them into feeling bad, honestly. When you consider how much the Padres got better. Now you could say they're not scared of them. They won the division by a lot of games, but they did lose them in the postseason. So that goes both ways. So I I don't think that I'm sure Dodgers fans are just like, eh, there's nothing the Padres can do to to scare us even after what happened in the postseason last year. So I don't want to overrate that. At the same time, I could imagine there's some Dodgers fans that are feeling a little uneasy. I know that the Trevor Bauer kerfuffle was a mess of their own making, but it's tough to feel bad when you enter uh, 2023 with your hands clean and your roster bowerless. Oh yeah, no, that's well. <laughs> like I understand yeah. they put yes. themselves in that spot. Yes, but yeah. they he's no longer on the team, and <clears throat> it's tough to be a total bad vibe situation when that's the case. Other confused team, the Miami Marlins, perpetually confused. They don't know what's going on. There was on ever. nothing that was going to happen that was going to get them out of this category. <laughs> I mean, they were, you know, it was spent two months trying to sign someone. No one wanted to go there. And then it was like, all right, Segura, great. And then it was like, hey, Johnny Cueto. All right, we have a 50 pitchers, but here's Johnny Cueto for 150 innings. And then the Pablo Lopez trade we were all waiting for. They get a rise. We talked about it uh, last week. Uh, I like this. Um, I, does it make them contenders? No, nothing's going to make them contenders. I think a rise is great, and I think he does make them better. Who knows, man? Who knows with this Marlins team? I just have no idea what's going to happen with them. But if that wasn't confusing enough, then they said, Jazz, go play center. And he said, <laughs> okay. Uh, next team we want to talk about, the Chicago Cubs. They did a lot to get better, and you could definitely yeah. put this team in the who's feeling good category. Yeah, but I, you, I would put them there, but tell me why you think they, 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 they're they confusing. I just think it's a it's just a weird roster. Like, I don't think this yeah, team no, is good enough to feel great. I think you feel better than you did last year, but you still need a variety of the young players who are unproven to really hit in order for this team to take that step forward, whether that's more consistency from Christopher Morrell or 
Brennan Davis coming up or Matt Mervis proving himself at the big league level or, right. you know, one of these, one of these younger pitchers um, like Hayden Wisniewski, you know, really solidifying himself. Those things need to happen to feel good. I feel like they're one year away from feeling good. And the Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, Cody Bellinger triad could just completely crumble. Like, I don't think that's but enough to feel great. I agree. At the same time, I think that the Hosmer Mancini signings tell me they think they can be pretty good this year. Now, that I sounds agree. stupid, but that's why it's weird. That's why it's strange is because to you, you just said those could turn out to be pretty close to nothing burgers, all, all things considered. Certainly Bellinger as well, right? But those tell me, I mean, the Bellinger one is weird because that you could qualify as a huge bounce back change of senior candidate for a lot of teams that makes sense for a lot of teams. And that's not as much of banking that we're going to be good. At the same time, yeah, I just felt like he, like the way that, that they put this team together, there are hints that suggest they think they can be good. And I'm looking at this pitching staff and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I mean, even relative to the Cardinals, certainly compared to the Brewers. I mean, I, I I like what they did. I think they got a good bit better, but uh, I don't know. I I am I'm confused about this roster. I agree, but I still feel like the the vibes are pretty good for the fans. They gave themselves a chance to be good, and that's yeah. important. But I don't yeah. think they ensured that they will be good this year or even in the years to come. And the last team, I in our in our who's confused group is the Los Angeles Angels, a team that a week ago. I would have put in the who's feeling good category, but then their owner, Artie Moreno, pulled a Michael Jordan and said, I'm back (laughs) and said he wasn't selling the team after he said he would sell the team. As far as like transactions go, this team had a great offseason and we're the first to dunk on the Angels, man. This has been the dunking on the Angels pod and you you, you know that we're not a fan, but like and we, we discussed this last week, Drury, Renfro, Tyler Anderson. Um, Urshela. Urshela. Like, these are good moves. They got better, right? They definitely got better. They gave themselves a chance to sneak into a wild card spot and give Trout a little bit of joy beyond the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles and Otani a taste of the postseason in what will surely be his last year in Orange County. But it's just, it's still confusing. The Angels are inherently confusing, sort of like the Marlins. And Artie Moreno, their owner, seeing the offseason saying, I want to stick around. That's confusing as shit, man. That's confusing. <laughs> no, totally with you. Nothing to add. All right. We have two uh, groups left. Let's begin with we can we can fly through it just as these teams might as well phone through their offseasons. Who could have simmed? What does that mean? There's some people who don't play video games are like, what are you talking about? Um, who, if you ever play a sports video game and you're doing a franchise mode and some people like the off season and they sim the season, they simulate the season and they jump ahead six months and 30 seconds. And some people just want to play the games. And so they simulate the off season. And we have five teams in this group who based on their activity or the, or the kind of the, the flavor of moves that they made may as well have just simulated the offseason because none of the moves they made would not have probably just had happened had you just simulated the offseason. <laughs> no surprises. It was just like, oh, yep, all right. You just kind of signed a couple pitchers, one-year deals, and you signed a couple of these guys and did really generic stuff. Uh, that was the Rockies, Tigers, Royals, Nationals, and Reds. 
Um, none of these teams. What, here, here we go, Jake. Of these five teams, what is the move that made you have the most emotion <laughs> of of these five teams? What is the transaction where you were like, "Ooh, okay, how about that?" I mean, I think it's Trevor Williams, just because we love Trevor Williams uh, to the Nationals. I think him and Dom Smith is another one with the Nats that I think fit in this category. But what would you say? The ones that stuck in my head. Matthew Boyd getting $10 million from the Tigers. Which Boris's is best job of the winter. Mm. Incredible just incredible stuff. work. We love that. The Matt Veerling trade uh, with the Tigers certainly made me think. I would say the sure. Royals sending away uh, at Alberto Mondesi mm-hmm. and Michael A. Taylor was mm-hmm. at least interesting and noteworthy. I would say that <laughs> I, I have not thought about the reds other than their owner saying they stuff. signed will myers dude will myers just was just tweeting go bangles last night incredible <laughs> so uh but no i think the reds certainly um and then man yeah the tigers i guess they they made that they made that that deal was somewhat significant get trading their closer but the well, rockies know, the, the rockies are the winner as they always are usually because they got chris bryant last year for the most irrelevant offseason their big move was to sign uh, Pierce Johnson, a guy that <laughs> yep. many of you have probably never heard of, uh, to a one-year $5 million deal. Pierce Johnson, just for those of you listening, is Pierce Johnson a hitter or a pitcher? Just think. <laughs> the answer is a pitcher. Is a former Cubs prospect, I believe also a Colorado native. They can't help themselves. Um, I thought Nolan Jones, that was kind of interesting. He could hit some 500-foot homers this year. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. And we have some more Rockies chat coming up. Here at the end of the show. But I agree. None of these teams did anything to really move the needle. I thought the Nats flyers that they took with Candelario and, and Dom, I, I like those. But but again, like the, if, if you put the Nats in a video game in the situation that they were in, they made the exact moves you would expect them to make. The computer. And the computer would make in Dickerson and Dom and Trevor. Like it was, yes. The Nats had an AI offseason is what they had. <laughs> All right, we have four teams left, Jake, four teams left. And the fans of these teams, one of which is on the Zoom with me right now, um, um, are probably thinking, God damn, really? Or they're like, damn right, this is how I'm feeling. We have four teams in the feeling the worst or not feeling good going to spring training. Now, we should caveat by saying generally most teams are still excited. Once spring training starts, you're like, hell yeah, season, let's fucking go. And I think for you, Jake, the Orioles fan, we are putting the Orioles in this group. I'm sure there's still some part of you that feels that way. But we are focusing strictly on this. doesn't mean that there's no excitement for the season. But we are talking about how we feel about the offseason and what happened. Correct. We have the White Sox, the Orioles, the Giants, and the A's. Where would you like to begin? Let's start with the Orioles, Jordan. Here's the thing. I am, as an Orioles uh, uh, aficionado, excited for the season, but I am not excited for the season because of the off season, right? And here's why their off season has created kind of a frustrating vibe. Well, first of all, their owner went in public and we talked about this and just made a bit of an ass of himself a couple of days ago. And that was just embarrassing and uh, whatever. This team enters 2023 with a $63 million payroll, which is measly and embarrassing. And halfway through last year, after they traded away Trey Mancini, their general manager, Michael Elias, went in front of a microphone and said that this winter will be liftoff. And when you say something like that, you raise expectations. 
And what did they do this offseason? They, oh my God. What did they do this offseason? They signed Adam Frazier to bat ninth and play second base sometimes. They signed Kyle Gibson to pitch, I guess, at the front of their rotation. They traded for Cole Irvin a week ago from the Oakland A's to be in their rotation as well. And they signed in some outstanding fan service, Michael Givens, <laughs> to be in their bullpen, which I'm really amped about. That, guy that one's cool. They also traded for James McCann, which I know some people have pointed out as a like perfect backup for Adley, and that might be true. But like, again, you're not excited for the season because right. they traded for James McCann. <laughs> did the Orioles get tangentially better this winter? Probably, I think they did. Like Gibson, Irvin, Frazier, Givens I'm not, could be yeah. worth like four and a half wins, five as a unit, maybe, right? In maybe, right. Maybe. Right. Right. But like, no one was like, people in Baltimore are like, oh, here we go, right? Like, it's, it's not, not a, it's not a, you're putting them on the, the buy your season tickets package and you're like, damn, I got to get down to Camden Yards to see these new guys. Um, and that's, Correct. that's the difference, right? When we even talk about the guy, the teams that only got one guy, that's exciting because it's like, oh my God, like Teoscar's on my team. Oh, even William Contreras, we got this. Like now this is someone new that I'm excited to go watch on my team. And the Orioles just did not deliver that at all. Right. Right. And especially with next offseason having like a pretty soft free agent class. I don't know, man. Like this should have just been, they should have just paid Rodon. They should have just given Rodon what the Yankees gave Rodon. And they still would have been in the bottom half of payrolls. I agree. The, the The last thing on the Orioles is, as, as has been pointed out, while Cole Irvin on his own is not especially exciting, it was the first deal that Mike Elias has made where he traded away a prospect to get a major league player. Um, which I know it's like, whoa. But like that is a sign that we are heading in a different direction. Now, who are the players that are available for Trey? I know oh, Cor- a lot of Corbin Burns, you know, fantasizing. Oh, we- And the thing is, the Orioles do have the pieces to basically trade for anybody. That That is true, right? But I just, until one of those things happens, they just are left with a very exciting young team, but one that is still comfortably behind the Yankees and the Blue Jays and et cetera, et cetera. So, Let's yeah. talk about the Oakland Athletics, who uh, they did stuff. They spent money. They brought in new players. They acquired uh, through free agency Jesus Aguilar, Jace Peterson, Aledmus Diaz, uh, Shintara Fujinami. They, Manny Pena, they got in the trade, right? Kev, like they Aguilar. did some, mm-hmm. what do you say? Aguilar. Yeah, you said Aguilar. Aguilar. They, yep. Yeah, I said that. They did some stuff, right? However, they traded away their best player, Sean Murphy, for very, very little. And if you're an A's fan, it's tough to be excited about their offseason heading into 2023. I really don't think there's much more to say than they traded away their best player and didn't get anything exciting back in the short term. Now, they did spend almost the same in free agency as the Dodgers. So that's a fact that you can say <laughs> about the offseason. They both spent about $40 million, um, but uh, they signed six major free agents. But um, yeah, it's not like they're feeling good. Uh, the White who's Sox. Next? Let's do Ooh, the White, White Sox, Sox Okay. I Can I boil this one down? Yeah. Let me go ahead. So they signed Andrew Benintendi. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is a good fit. That's a significant financial investment, $75 million. He's going to play the outfield for them. He's good, help good them fit, good change of pace. Great. I like that move. I like that move. However, 
they signed a known shithead for uh, $10 million and didn't ask if there was, you know, anything they should know. And then Mike Clevenger uh, has the open domestic violence allegation case against him at MLB. And I would doubt that he ever pitches for the White Sox. And it's just a weird, bad look for them for that to happen. Johnny Cueto gone, Jose Abreu gone. Uh, just two absolute vibe gods in that clubhouse who are out the door. I don't think they got better this year. I think Benintendi and Abreu at best cancel one another out, right? And they underwhelmed to such a degree last season that this team needed to take a step forward based upon where their contention window is. Mm -hmm. And they did not do that. And I think the vibe is not good in and around White Sox land. I also think that Correa returning to Minnesota is also a huge part of this because sure, Cleveland was the champ and they deserved the respect as, you know, maybe the favorite going into the offseason. But for the White Sox and Twins who had similarly messy and disappointing 2022s, if you're the White Sox, you're hoping you end up on the other side at least feeling better than Minnesota and you don't. Um, absolutely not. And so that is that is frustrating, even if and the Ben and, and the the Abreu stuff, man, like that's just. <laughs> I mean, I understand is a lot for a thirty six year old, but like it doesn't look like that much when <laughs> you see the rest of the offseason and you know how important he was for them. And again, him and Cueto were like two of the only things they could depend on last year, right. and so those are just just huge deals. Uh, all right, the last team here was a team who was in the news about as much as any team. The George Santos of the offseason. They as just far as were, goes. we couldn't avoid them. Um, for better or for worse, it was the San Francisco Giants. Now, I want to say this. The Giants, Farhan Zaidi, they did their best. And I know that- They sounds, got better too. I, I would say they got better. Correct. They did get better. And they did basically everything that they could. And I think that, they don't deserve to be dunked on. And I don't think it was necessarily like the worst thing in the world. However, when you are the butt of the joke in the two biggest stories of the offseason in Arson Judge and Carlos Correa, and you end up with neither transcendent player on your roster moving forward, it is tough to enter spring training without thinking about what could have been. Yes. To be fair, they were certainly validated to some degree with the Correa stuff. And we cannot, you know, we are not laughing at them nearly as much as we were when all that shit first went down. So we have to say that. And yes, again, we do think they got better. I, I do believe Conforto, Hanniger, Manaya, um, Stripling. Uh, I think these are, and retaining Jock, like, I think this team looks like it could, it could you know, win 85 games even, right? Um but Taylor Rogers, they added two. But again, they were as hyped as it could possibly get coming into this offseason. Twice. Twice. And while, yes, they did end up spending, you know, nearly $200 million, that is very little compared to what they reasonably could have and basically publicly committed to being willing to spend. That's another way to look at it, right? We know, and I know every player is different, and just because they were going to give 350 to Judge and House 350 to Correa doesn't mean that they have to give that to X many other players. But 
Ugh, like it's just like and when you combine what the Padres did too no maybe it, it helps a little that the Dodgers didn't do as much but when you add all that together it's just oof maybe we're being harsh let us know but I, I feel yeah. like that's where we're at now producer Chris uh, I was gonna say is yeah, a Giants was, fan and like <laughs> I would imagine producer Chris that there were two moments this offseason where you maybe texted your fellow Giants fan friends if you have them and genuinely believed that you were going to have a superstar, all-star, potential MVP candidate in a Giants jersey for the next decade. There were two moments, not moments where it was like, it looks like we're going to get this guy. There were moments where it felt like, like you had it. You did it. They did it. There was a report that they have signed Aaron Judge. They have signed Carlos Correa. And neither of those things are true. And entering 2023 spring training, you're not feeling as good as you could have. Is that fair? Arson Judge, not Aaron Judge. We never signed Aaron Judge. That's but true. yeah, look, they never came close. <laughs> that, that one to me, for some reason, even though that report came out and we were all together at the winter meetings, and that was, you know, I, I did get a little bit excited for a few minutes there, but it never really quite seemed real at the time. I was still waiting for more confirmation <laughs> at that stage. I, I didn't really get yeah. too ahead of myself. And then we know what happened after that. And that fell through and whatever, that's okay. It's the Correa thing that really hurt me as well. Cause I actually used to work with Carlos Correa. I know him. I like him. And that was really exciting to think about the fact that he was coming to my team Yeah, and he was on the team for a lot longer than Aaron judge had been reported to be on the team. You know what I mean? So I had time to get excited about it. I had time to look ahead to the 2023 season. And when I got that notification that, hang on, his, this whole thing has turned to shit, that one hurt. That one really hurt. But I will say, even though we failed to land Aaron Judge and we failed to land Carlos Correa, it has been an entertaining offseason for the Giants. The fact that we're just in it is sort of half the fun. Obviously, it still sucks that you, you, you didn't land any of the big fish. Mm-hmm. It was still entertaining. We were still in the in the center of everyone's minds and at the top of all the news articles. That part is fun. <laughs> Producer Chris with the baseball offseason version of it is better to have loved and lost than <laughs> never to have loved at all. Thank you for joining us on this journey, all you listeners, of going through all 30 teams offseason and trying to nail down the vibe. If you think that we missed the vibe with any of these, let us know. Send us an email. Uh, And we will be right back to wrap up this show right after the break. And we're back here at the end of a long baseball barbacast, but you folks love it and we love you too. Now, we just talked about how the offseason is over and we looked back, but there are still some dribs and drabs, some moves happening. We're going to run through them very quickly. Jordan, the Phillies signed Josh Harrison. Thoughts? Jake, did you know that Josh Harrison was already on the Phillies once? Yes, I did, actually. Because I, did. <laughs> I didn't until yesterday when I was reminded that they signed him before the 2020 season and then ultimately released him right before the shortened 2020 season began. In July, he ends up on the Nationals. Has a good season for them there. Um, but yeah, I, had, I just completely forgot about that because obviously anything that happened in uh, December 2019 is ancient history. Um, but hey, this is a nice little nice little pickup. I think Josh Harrison is still useful, still good. And uh, I'm sure he will help fill in the depth. Again, we you know they traded away some depth with Maton and, and Veerling. I think this helps because now it's not just like Dalton Guthrie, take it away. The San Francisco Giants signed 
two-time gold glove catcher and horrible hitter, Roberto Perez, they could have just put up a, a neon sign outside of Oracle Park that says, we are worried that Joey Bart is not a big league hitter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even know if this is more about his hitting or his defense or anything. Um, Giants catcher is another big question mark as to why maybe we put them in the last category uh, in, in the last segment. So, yeah, I mean, it's fine. Again, like I, I actually like this from the standpoint of if Joey Bart really can't hit and we just have to have Roberto Perez catching, I feel even better about getting the most out of his pitching staff, right? Correct. Because if anything, Roberto Perez has been able to do that. So, good The for Tampa him. Bay Rays extend big eyes, Pete Fairbanks, and big arms, Yandy Diaz. Uh, cool. I guess, like, I, I, all right. The Mets extend... <laughs> You have something to say? Let me say, let me say 20 <laughs> seconds on this. Okay. Pete Fairbanks was unbelievable last season. And I thought he was one of those guys where it was like a flash in the pan in 2020 and then he goes hurt and he was never going to be the same. He was insanely good when he came back. And Yanni Diaz is one of my favorite players in the league. And so keeping him around is great. Jordan, all I have to say as someone skeptical about the uh, mechanics of, of capitalist, capitalist society, no such thing as a fair bank. The Mets extend Jeff McNeil, uh, talking about an unfair bank where Steve Cohen's money comes from. This is great for Mets fans. This is awesome. Like, they're keeping around the guys that you love, and they'll be there for, what is it, four years, 50 mil? Yeah, which looked light for a, you know, batting champion. I got to be honest, Jeff McNeil was better in 2022 than I realized. I knew he was getting a bunch of hits, but I didn't know that was translating to the overall offensive line that he had. But no, he's he's fantastic. And um, just because I'm an asshole, I'm just going to mention again uh, that he was almost in the Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz, uh, uh, Jerry Kellnick trade. That was a real thing that almost happened. And then they pulled him out the last second. So just imagine had that gone through. Anyway, but good good for the Mets. And yeah, they, they have to do this. Got to keep this core together. Alonzo needs to be next. Orioles acquire Cole Irvin in a trade. We briefly touched on this. He is just like completely sufficient and he'll make 26 starts and then it's that's it. Uh, then Nats signed Alex Colomay, one of the more entertaining pitchers in the league. He could be dominant and he can be an absolute disaster. He can. Uh, Here's he my will. He will. I, this is either going to be his last year of being a big leaguer or he'll pitch in the World Series for a contender after. Here's my, my Alex Colomay again, making everything about the Mariners. 2018, so underrated because Edwin Diaz does not get to 57 saves if Alex Colomay is not locking down the eighth inning. That is a fact. The Rangers made a, a bunch of minor league signings with familiar names. Clint, now known as Jackson, although they announced it as Clint, so I don't know what he's going by now. You likely know him as Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier found a deal. He was just dreadful in 2022, but I would love to see him somehow find a way. I mean, if this is their left field solution, I'm not feeling great about that, but I like that he got a chance somewhere. And then Danny Duffy, you know, bury him a ranger, I guess, uh, never ended up pitching for the Dodgers, which is disappointing, um, but now he'll be on Texas, more pitching up there. Ian Kennedy, he's been on the Rangers before. And then Travis, Travis Jankowski. Signing Travis Jankowski is almost like you are saying like, we need like bit like the Mets had him. Like we need like real depth for our like loaded major league roster, and like that's not what the Rangers. Are. He's gonna get like four hundred at bats. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is like, uh, wait a minute, is this just Leone insurance or what? <laughs> and the Atlanta Braves, who will extend your mother, your brother, and your entire extended family, 
extended Brian Snitker, their manager, till 2025. Weird that he wasn't extended already. Brian Snitker will get to manage the Braves until he doesn't want to anymore. And that's just how it will be. Also loved the video of him at like Braves Fest being asked if the team would be interested in signing Trevor Bauer. And he just said, no. <laughs> and that was it. End Incredible. of uh, discussion. All right. Two other things. Another another hiring. Um, also Braves adjacent. News we wanted to get to. And then we'll finish up with some funny quotes from Dick Monfort. Uh, the Astros got a GM. They hired Dana Brown, uh, who has been uh, one of the top, uh, uh, I would say, uh, top front office guys in Atlanta. He came over to Atlanta uh, from Toronto, where he had been one of the top scouting um, uh, people uh, with Alex Santopoulos in Toronto. Dana Brown is uh, now immediately becomes the only black general manager in baseball, which is obviously significant. Uh, Kenny Williams with the White Sox is, is the other uh, one atop of baseball operations hierarchy. Um, but this is a great a great move. I'm not surprised that they went the scouting route instead of bringing in another dork that is trying to make moves that Jeff Bagwell is not going to appreciate. <laughs> and so I think bringing in a, a clear, you know, baseball lifer, former player um, in Dana Brown is not surprising at all. And if you're going to pick someone who has been scouting and developing and identifying talent from another organization, the Braves are probably a good place to pick that from. Dana Brown is a big reason why the Braves are where they are right now. He was the VP of scouting for them from 2010 to, uh, no, I'm sorry, from 2019 to 2022. He was with Toronto before that, but he played a big role in Toronto in building that group up. You know, he, this is a, one of the f- like three guys in Atlanta who knew uh, about before the press release. Before the press release <laughs> is basically yes. how it describes um, it. So that's a, it's a big loss for, for Atlanta for sure. But I mean, yeah, it's in terrible news uh, for the rest of the league. Um, I would say because <laughs> yeah, the Astros do not need any help. And, and honestly, it's terrible news for us league because uh, the Astros, while they do have an unbelievable major league team of young talent, um, that is quite a poopy farm system as Atlanta's was by the end. Now it's all for good reason. But if Dana Brown can assist in building back up a ability to draft and develop to draft and develop because the Astros, honestly, again, I, I know some of it's not as much from trades and extensions like, They've had some whiffs here. So if they can get back to being as good at drafting as, as Dana Brown's kind of proven to be over, over the years, like, yikes <laughs> for everybody else. So love that hire. All right. From uh, extreme competency and uh, eternal excellence to whatever the opposite of that is, we are going to finish up with some of the funnier public quotes of all time, courtesy of Rocky's owner, Dick Montfort. Now, Jake, last week we talked about some of the Goofy things being said by the Reds and Orioles owners. Those had a lot to do with financial stuff and were kind of insults to the fan base uh, in one way or the other, either complaining about why we can't spend as much as other teams or saying, oh, we are spending. We're, well, you know, all the, and then obviously the goofiness with Orioles and MLK Day. Dick Montfort, the longtime owner of the Rockies, has given us a new category of hilarious owner quotes, and we have to talk about them. Because I believe we both have thoughts, but we have not discussed it yet. We just know we wanted to talk about this on the pod. So let's finish with this. Where would you like to begin? <laughs> I'm going to read a quote, and then we will talk about it, okay? All right. Quote, this is uh, via the Denver Post's uh, Patrick Saunders, just so everyone knows. Quote, what the Padres are doing, I don't 100% agree with. 
though I know that our fans probably agree with it. We'll see how it works out, unquote. Thoughts? So <laughs> I also wouldn't agree with another team getting better while I, mm. my team didn't get better. So that part I understand, right? But what I believe he is referring to is I don't agree with a team in a market like San Diego spending a lot of money. Yeah. I'm sure our fans think it's cool. Oh, okay. I don't really think it's cool. That is a hilarious thing to say. And that gets at my big takeaway about generally all things Rockies, which maybe I'll finish with. But let's first just laugh at this quote. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Fun. It's to say, like, I'm sure our fans like what the other teams are doing, but sorry, I don't. <laughs> right. It's like I, we know that if we were to do what the Padres are doing, our fan base would be happy, but we won't. Sorry, do that. I don't. I don't. I don't believe in that. It's incredible. Okay, let's um, continue. Hold quote, on. I I, I want to read. I want to read another one. Okay. Yeah. I want to read another quote, particularly a tweet. Okay. Quote, and this is from uh, Patrick Lyons. Okay. Again, a lot of these quotes came from the same. There was some event that was going on. So again, I, I read this, too. this is just like one of the funniest sports tweets I've ever seen. Quote, I think we can play 500 ball. Rockies owner Dick Montfort speaking in Greeley at the Breakfast of Champions event. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Big champions energy. <laughs> Should have gone to the breakfast, breakfast of 500 ball event. Um, okay. Uh, quote, that spending about the Padres puts a lot of pressure on us. It's not just the Padres. It's the Mets. It's the Phillies. It's been an interesting year. Correct. At least he knows. It has been There's, an interesting year. He, he'll agree with us at the beginning of our podcast. It's been an interesting year. But what's Jordan, he, he, he gets half of it. He's like, yeah, He's the almost team there. spending has to, it puts pressure on us. But the reaction is not to react to the pressure. It's just to let it smother him and make him say dumb shit. And then this is my favorite part of the quote. Ready? I look at the Padres and they have a really talented team, but they have some holes too. They've got three, <laughs> maybe four starting pitchers. And then they're sort of like us. They have Musgrove, Snell and Darvish. So I don't know. So what he is saying, okay, is this team. Yeah, they have some good players, but after them, <laughs> they have bad players like the team that I run. Incredible quote. This is an incredible quote. I look at the Padres and they have some holes. They have three or four starting pitchers. And then they're sort of like us. He's saying that they're not good. And then the next thing he says is, quote, I think we have a competitive team. And I think we're learning some things. I think this is really a year where we can step it up a bit. So if you think that you're good, Okay. And you think that the Padres are you with also some better players. How do you think you will be better than the Padres, Mr. Businessman? This is mind boggling. Hey, you. also, I will also say, also getting close, I do agree. Lack of pitching depth in San Diego is a little concerning for a team that is projected to win 100 games and should be a World Series contender. And if we're talking about them once composing time, then maybe I'm a little bit worried. But what I'm not worried about is pitching depth for a team who I believe Fangraphs has as the lowest projected win total, at least by war. Yes, the lowest projected war of any team below the Reds, below the Nats, below the A's, below the Tigers, below the Royals, uh, Pirates, all those teams. Um, here's the problem. Here's my big takeaway. They're kind of like us, except they have Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis <laughs> Jr., Manny Machado, Jake Cronenworth. I mean, they will also have a 26-man roster. That's true. So, They're just like us. 
Here, here's the problem, Jake. The Padres. I've made this, I've made this point a few times. The Rockies are in a weird spot because other teams like the Reds, like basically any other team in a small, whatever, small market, basically excepting the Cubs, right? But Orioles, uh, Royals, Tigers for sure, A's, Nats certainly last year, Reds, absolutely. What happens when your team stinks, Jake? People stop showing up. People stop showing up. Well, the problem is that in Colorado, people are still showing up. Now, that's great. That's awesome. I love that Coors Field is packed anyway because it's a fucking awesome stadium and at a great time. (laughs) And Denver is a great city and people go to games. But since the Rockies traded away Nolan Arenado, which for any other team would tell you, don't come to the games, sorry, we're rebuilding, the Rockies have finished in the top 10 in attendance, average attendance for each of the last two years, right? And that is the thing, is that he is not getting any feedback that is telling him that I'm doing anything wrong, or at least to the degree that other teams are seeing Like the Orioles know, they know when they went into this, like this is going to be ugly for a while, right? They were prepared and it wasn't pretty, right? Empty Camden Yards is is not not a beautiful site, right? Same thing in Pittsburgh. It has been empty. I mean, Oakland's a different situation, but like these bad teams that do this, it's, that's a part of it, right? And it is just for reasons that I would love to kind of understand more the, the specifics of beyond just the fact that it's a big, beautiful stadium that is a good time to go to. Until he's getting hurt at the gate, like, uh, he's just not going to change anything. And this is the other sad reality of the Rockies is that they have won recently enough in goofy ways that I'm sure he thinks that they're that close to doing it again. And so that leaves them in this extremely difficult and embarrassing, frustrating situation that I feel terrible for Rockies fans. And I remember when we were there for All-Star and talking to Rockies fans, but like this is a really, really tough place to be. And besides the Marlins, I don't know of another team that is in this um, kind of directionless of a, of a place. They're the Padres are just like us, except they're good. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs> um, this has been another, uh, lengthy, but enjoyable episode of baseball barbacast. You can email us at baseball at gmail.com. That's B A R B cast. And, uh, we will be back on Thursday with more of a baseball podcast. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing. Thank you to Jake Mintz for co-hosting and, uh, thank you to the Marlins for keeping us confused. (laughs) Goodbye. Serious XM podcasts.